It's always um, interesting if you go to concerts, and uh, over the years, Teresa and I, along with our kids and friends, have been to many concerts, you know, of different pop artists, rock artists, classical, jazz, you name it. We've got quite eclectic tastes. And um, one of the things I always enjoy, apart from the overall sort of atmosphere of the concert, and indeed the playing and, and, uh, and the entertainment that's going on, is observing those people who are playing. And just watching, in some cases, the intensity that you see in their face as they're playing this instrument. And um, other times, there's very casual, relaxed nature because they're such a virtuoso, it takes no effort at all. And they just seem to sail through it. And I was watching you tonight, Mark. Yeah? Yeah. All I can say is Alton John has nothing to worry about. <laughs> But there was this real intensity on your face, which was uh, lovely to watch. And, um, and actually what it said to me is how seriously you take what you do for the Lord, whether it's something that, you know, which is uh, you do in your job or something you're called to do out of the blue has said me now and again. So thank you for tonight and thank you as well, Nessie. That was really good. Thank you, Elton. Good. <laughs> um, I have... Uh, over the last few weeks, been sort of browsing around the Bible. I, I couldn't settle. Do you ever have that time when you think, you know, this? I want to look at the Bible and I, and I want to find something I can get into that will take me a number of days or maybe a week and, and, and or even longer and I can really get into it and research it and try to understand it. And everywhere I went, I just could not settle. Could not settle at all. And um, so I was browsing. And, and sometimes that's quite helpful because you come across something which inspires you. And other times it's not very helpful. In fact, you're actually sitting there and you get more confused about some things. And I was listening to the radio. And it was a premier Christian radio. And this guy turned around and he said, the thing I'm amazed at in the Bible sometimes is how quickly things happen. He said, I don't mean quickly in years or months or anything like that, but just when you look at the Bible and you look at the, the breadth of the Bible, the number of chapters, the number of books, the number of pages, the number of words, sometimes there's an event that's strung out over a long period of time. You think about the Exodus and how many books that covers when the, when the, the Israelites were coming out of the Egypt. But on other occasions, remarkable things happen in a very short space of time, don't they? If you look at the amount of chapters that cover the creation, it's very small. The fall, which was actually, you know, something immense in the life of, uh, of this world and God's creation. It's a very small amount of words, some paragraphs, that actually describes it and brings us to the next step on the journey that we're on. And as I was reading through it, I, I, I went back to Genesis and um, I re-encountered Abraham. And... Um, I say re-encountered, I suppose because I haven't looked at him for a long time. And I was reading his life, and I kept going back, and I must have read it about three or four times. Remarkable life, wasn't it? Yes. Remarkable life. Incredible man. But then I suddenly noticed something that um, I'd sort of missed before. I knew it was there, and I'd heard people speak about it, but I'd missed some of the subtleties of it. And so I thought I'd share my thinking on that with you this evening. Uh, and I hope you'll find it helpful, um, maybe enlightening. Um, who knows? Maybe you'll think, why didn't he study something else? I don't know. Okay, so can I just read to you first? And I'm going to go right into Genesis. If you've got your Bible and you want to follow along, that would be really great. And we are in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And it's a story I know many of you will know well. It's about the three visitors. Okay? 
and forgive me if I pronounce this word wrong, I've, I've checked it out and I hope I've got it right, but the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, where he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. And Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three, sorry, sears of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before him. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Remarkable little episode, isn't it? And when you look at it, you can easily read it, I think, and just get past it and move on without really stopping to look. And I think I've done that over the years. So I started to have a look at it because it struck me about what was going on there. Now, um, when I tried to sort of label it about what was going on, I could only come up with one word, and it was hospitality. That was the word that jumped out at me, hospitality. And I started to think about this. But then I realised I had to think about it, not in terms of hospitality today, like maybe when I come to your house, I'm always open to invitations, that's very nice, thank you. Or when you come to my house, um, or wherever it might be, invitations. That, this was a very different world, wasn't it? Very different than today. And hospitality was very different from today in some, in some ways. So it was a different place, it was a different time. And when I looked back on it, I thought, well, I'd just better check this out to be sure. And it was 4,000 years ago, or roughly 4,000 years ago. And it was up on the West Bank, uh, as we know it today, near Hebron. And this was taking place. And I started to think about what it must be like there. You've got these strangers coming along, and there's Abraham standing outside the t you know, his tent. And really, I can't imagine it was anything like today, with roads and lorries buzzing up and down, and lots of people in cars, and just the busyness of life. It must have been very quiet. So few people around. Very sedate life, perhaps. Though a hard life, nevertheless. But times when the sun was hot and you were resting, it must have been very sedate, very quiet. And this is where we find him at that moment in time. In that situation where these three appear. And he's probably quite surprised by it. I can't imagine, you know, on the, the highway there, that uh, there's too many people pass by in a day. Too many people at all. It's a rough area out there. Very hot, very dry, very arid. Quite dangerous maybe as well. So not many people passing by. And yet these three people appear. And I thought, well, how would you react back then? You know, I don't know about you, I've, I've sat at home on some occasions, and um, not that I've invited this person around perhaps, and as I, uh, in our house, our front uh, window faces out onto our drive at the front, and the green and everything that we can look over, it's lovely, and I sit in a chair right next to the window, partly because I'm nosy, and I like to see who's coming up and down and everything. Anyway, one day this person came up, I won't say who it was, but you wouldn't know him anyway, and I, I recognised them, and I thought, I wonder where they're going, well they were coming to me. And I was there on my own, Teresa had gone out, and I heard the doorbell ring. And my immediate reaction was, oh, blow. <laughs> I was reading a book, 
I was half asleep, ready to have a nice little doze, and someone turned up. So I went to the door, and while well, I invited them in, we had a cup of tea, had a little bit of a chat. They'd only popped in to ask a question, really, and then it went on its way. But my, my sort of overall uh, feeling about it to begin with was, I've got to say, not very welcoming. It was a real interruption and a disturbance at that moment in time. I was reading a really good book. I was in about the last chapter or the one before the end, and I wanted to finish this book and then have a snooze. The last thing I needed was somebody turning up. So actually, I suppose when I think about it, when I said, would you like a cup of tea, inside I was going, say no. <laughs> say no. You know? And uh, but they said, oh, yeah, that would be lovely. And I was walking away. Well, take a seat and live. And I'm walking I want to get this done. But nevertheless, they said yes. But it was a different time. But in our house, you know, and probably most houses today, pretty much we're prepared if somebody comes round. You have some cup of tea, you'll have some coffee, you'll have some biscuits perhaps, or maybe a cake on the go, something like that. We've we got storage cupboards with things in it that we can offer people generally. Though I had an aunt who never had anything in her cupboards, and if anybody came round, she said, make yourself comfortable, we'll be back in a quarter of an hour, and she'd go, and she'd have to run down to the local shops and get something. That was just the way that she lived. She bought everything in as she needed it. So anybody who came was a stranger, or somebody came just to call in, she never had anything. But we'd have been prepared. We've got refrigerators with things in it. But in those days, they didn't have anything, did they? They ate what they needed when they needed it. If they had to make a fire, I would imagine they were quite precious about the wood because wood was scarce. Whatever they burned on the fire, for that matter, was scarce. So it was a different time and a different place. Yet there's something absolutely remarkable about Abraham that regardless how difficult it might have been for him, he rolls out the red carpet. Absolutely rolls out the red carpet. I wonder what he'd have done if it was match of the day was on. Would he have said, oh, just hang on a minute, I'm just going to watch the end of this, you know. Gary Lineker's got a couple of interesting things to say. I mean, I know I'm being silly, really, but he could have had plenty of other things to do, but he didn't. He stopped there and then for these strangers. They, at that moment, became the most important people to him. And it showed in what he did. Showed in what we did. And I want to just explore this for a moment because I, I found it so interesting as I start to look at it. Let's look at three verses to start with. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, verse 2. Okay, verse 2 here. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing by. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. I'll just go on to the other two. Verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, um, and he had to do the work that needed doing. And in verse 7, Abraham ran to the herd and the servant hurried to prepare the calf. I find that really interesting because I can imagine this was a lifestyle which was quite sedate, as I've said, fairly slow because it was hot. But as soon as the strangers came, everyone had to really hurry and get on with it and make sure we got things done for these three people. Not like me, you said, I'll oh, sit down, I'll go make a cup of tea, and I'm in the kitchen going, oh, I've just kept on the boys soon so I can give them a cup of tea and rush them out the door. You know, he was hurrying for a different reason. He was hurrying because he wanted to serve these people. He didn't want them to wait. He wanted to have water now and food now, and he hurried. He gave them his full attention and his household his full attention. I wonder what Sarah must have thought, you know? Years ago, uh, when my uh, kids were all at home, or actually after they left, to be honest, with one of them with Tom, but even when they were all at home, 
Teresa and I would be in the house sometimes and around the elders were all out and they'd appear one by one, especially on a Sunday or any day of the week really, and said, oh mum, how, what are we doing for tea tonight? And Teresa would tell them, and say, I've invited so-and-so. <laughs> and there had been times when there were six of us, we would have nine, ten, eleven people at the table. And these boys can eat. These boys could eat. And they would just turn up. And you'd have to find what you could for them. It was crazy. But we did it. Like all of you would do it. Because they come as guests to your house. You want to look after them. Yeah? I used to think, I wish I could find out where they lived and I'd go down there for a change. <laughs> but there we are. They used to come. So here we have this man who's hurried everybody up, including his wife and his servant. And you get this picture of Abraham standing. I wonder if he was bored. Do you ever think about that? What does it say at the beginning? The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great uh, trees of Mamre. Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. So he looked up. Was he doing something? Was he just sitting about? I don't know. Was he bored? But whatever it was, however he was feeling, whatever was going on, he was delighted to be able to show people hospitality. Absolutely delighted. So eager to show them hospitality. And I looked at that and I suddenly thought, wow. I know in the Bible, later on, there's, there's talk about hospitality. But it isn't just later on. It's not New Testament teaching. This is going on right at the very beginning of, of the Bible. Right at the beginning of time, of man. That it was one of the most important things to do, was to show hospitality. I looked up and I found Romans 12, where it says, practice hospitality. So there it is in the New Testament. And in Hebrews, again, it says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And then when you go on, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That put me in my place. <laughs> We're encouraged throughout the New Testament to offer hospitality. But here's Abraham setting the example way back when. Way back when. And showing us how to do it. To hurry. To see these people as special. They've arrived. He didn't even know them. I mean, that's the, one of the incredible parts as well. Normally if I invite people around, it's because I know them. So when they come in, yeah, well, I did invite you, so I ought to be pleased to see you. But these were strangers. But nevertheless, he was pleased to see them. I believe he was pleased to see them. How eager are you to offer hospitality? How eager are we as a church? When new people come in, strangers appear on our doorstep. Now I know we always like to say, well, we, we are a welcoming church. And I do believe we are a very welcoming church. But I think there is a real difference between a welcome and hospitality. It's easy to say, hi, how are you? And you go through those motions, if you're not. And then you say, well, I hope you'll come again. And that's it, it's gone. But then there's this hospitality, come on over here. And I see Grant doing it all the time on a Sunday morning. Come over, have, let me get you a cup of coffee, let me get you a biscuit. He's offering hospitality. It's different than just a welcome, don't you agree? Very different. Are we just saying, hi, how are you? Oh, sorry, somebody I need to see over there. And you scurry off. And I do it. I put my hands up, I do it. And later on I think, what am I doing? How come I didn't stop and spend time with that person? Because I may never get the chance again. And as these three strangers arrived, they could have just moved on after a period of time. In fact, he didn't have to offer them anything. 
They could have just moved on. They just kept staring at them. They probably got the message, well, we're not going to get much of a welcome here or any hospitality, and they move on. And he would have never had the chance to have that encounter again. Can we afford not to have the encounter that hospitality offers us? And the other thing I've learned, and I know this will happen with Abraham probably, though they never mention it here, I thought it didn't happen, that doing this hospitality, we get to know people, don't we? I've always felt that eating with people is one of the most intimate elements of a relationship that you can ever have. I've never ceased to be amazed when people go out for lunch, they're having a sausage roll, I'm hungry now. Or whether I'm going for a meal in their house, our house, we're in a restaurant. When you sit down and you share food with people, it is such an intimate occasion. And people start to talk. And there's a warmth about it, or there should be. And in that warmth, people start to share. And you begin to learn about people. And relationships begin to build. Is that your experience? Because it's certainly been mine. I have to say that in times when I've not wanted to show hospitality, because I realised that would happen. And I didn't want it. Thank you. Oh, but you talked to me. <laughs> now, and I didn't want it. I actually didn't want to build these relations. Hello. Thank you very much. That slipped down there. One of these days I'm going to learn to keep still. No, I'm not. And, <laughs> and the fact is, we shy away from it. Why? Maybe because it is such an intimate occasion. Maybe it is that we may have to reveal something of ourselves, talk about ourselves, ask about other people, and that draws us in, them to us, us to them. And then what we find is, dare I say it, we end up having a relationship. A good relationship, hopefully, but a relationship. And yet that's not what we want. We want to keep ourselves apart, keep ourselves distant. But that's not what God wants. And I'm not just talking about other Christians being like that with them. I am talking about anybody and everybody. Because the people who are walking on the streets of Norwich this evening who do not know the Lord are the Lord's children just like we are. And he wants us to have a relationship with people he sends our way. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Absolutely, Alan. Absolutely. And that's a lesson to us, an example to us. And that's what we should be doing. And here we have this man all those years ago doing just that. But I want to say a couple of things about other, couple of other things about hospitality. Um, but I'm not going to talk for too much longer. But I want to talk about this issue of Abraham's choice. He had a choice here, didn't he? Oh, we will read back there now and we can actually, you know, analyse it and think about it and pray about it and ask for revelation and realise that probably he did have no choice. But at that moment, that's not what's going on. This man, this Abraham, has a choice. Does he want to offer hospitality? He has the freedom to either invite them or ignore them, just like you and I have. But he chooses to invite them. I'll just tell you a little story, shall I? Uh, a young friend of mine, I haven't seen him for a long time, actually. Uh, when he was at university, he told me this little story about these three or four characters, and they would do the cycle run of colleges. So this was a major university with lots of colleges, and they would do a cycle run. And what they used to do is they used to sponge off other students who were part of the Christian Union for food and meals. Yeah? They weren't Christians. 
But they found out who they were and they do the cycle run around the different colleges to the different Christian unions and they get talking to people and they try and get from them an invite to come back to their accommodation or wherever it was so somebody would feed them. And when they didn't, they used to lay the Christian mantle on them. Well, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were supposed to look after strangers. Trying to make people feel guilty. And very often out of guilt, he told me, people would invite people back. Out of guilt, because they feel they'd been let these people down in the first place. Now, I'm out of choice. Now, I'm not going to hold these people to judgment. There may be a good reason why they didn't want to invite them back. They may have things going on and so on. But when somebody makes you feel guilty so that you have to ask them back, to me, it's like that false sense of duty where it's my duty to do this, but I don't really want to do it. In fact, it's the last thing I want to do. And there's no love in it. It's hollow. It's hollow. And here he had a choice, just like you and I have a choice, to show people hospitality. And I want to say now, I'm not just talking about hospitality of, of bringing people into our homes. There's that hospitality of sharing time with them. Inviting people to lunch, going to a cafe somewhere. I used to love going up to the Britannia before it closed down and meeting people for lunch. It was lovely. And, but just going out for a coffee with people, that's showing people hospitality. So it's not about, oh, I have to invite people into my homes. Some people may not be equipped for that. Some people may find that very difficult because of who they are. But there are other ways of showing people hospitality. Yeah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 42 says this, Give to those who ask of you. But there's also something else. Though these people that my friend was telling me about were asking of them, you shouldn't have to be forced to do it. The giving is through the heart, the generosity of the heart, not being forced to do it. In my experience, over the years, those who are really, are really in need often say nothing about their need. Often say nothing. They'll be there, but they'll remain silent, perhaps. And we can choose to ignore them because of who they are, and silent people are very easy to ignore, aren't they? So easy. Or we can choose to help them. We have a choice. What choice are you going to make? Next time you see somebody standing on their own, maybe looking a bit full on and everybody else is chatting away, are we going to make that choice to go to them? Maybe to show them some hospitality, even if it's just inviting them for a coffee. Or are we just going to let them stand there? And one day we might turn around and look and they're no longer standing there. They've gone somewhere else. And we missed the opportunity. It's a tough one, that. Finally, I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of hospitality with no strings attached, if you like. Um, there's a lot of ways that people come to give to hospitality. I, I started to think about it, about what society expects of us. You know, you would be shamed not to offer it. And in some senses, the society that Abraham in was a bit like that. You were supposed to offer hospitality, and it was a shame on you if you didn't. But that's not what Abraham was doing here. Yes, he may have been influenced by some degree, but I believe Abraham was given it because his heart reached out to these people, these three strangers. He wanted to show them hospitality. And of course, there is the hospitality that you get with that program on television, which drives me up the wall. Come dine with me. Yeah? 
I wouldn't dine with any of them on there when I look at the programme. I thought, you're the last person I want to have a meal with. And that sounds very inhospitable, isn't it? But, oh my goodness, they do your head in. But the fact of the matter is, it's not really about hospitality, no matter what they say. It's about showing off. It's about impress me. I once knew somebody who had a brand new kitchen. It was magnificent. They're having this brand new kitchen uh, presented. Uh, sorry, built in and everything. And uh, I, it, I went round and it was nearly finished. And I said to him, wow, you must be really good, looking forward to working in this kitchen and preparing meals for the family. Not really. Thought, what are you doing it for? So I said, no. I said, what are you looking for then? I'm looking forward to showing it off to people. Um. I said, that's a true story. And I just thought, well, how sad. How sad. Don't you just want to fill this big kitchen diner with people who are laughing and enjoying themselves and sharing with each other? Isn't that what you would want to do? You know? I think most of us here would do, all of us would want to do that. But no, it was about impressing people, showing off about what they had. That's not Christian hospitality, my friends. It really isn't. All that we have is by the Lord's grace. And all that we have we should use for his service. And remember that. It's not about showing off what we've got, what we've achieved. It's about showing Christian hospitality. And then of course there is the one about where you do hospitality because you want something back from it. You know? Oh, and you suitcase and you get, you hear it. Well, I, you know, I invited them to mine but they never invited me back. You know? I'm really put out about that. And I just sort of think, did you really expect to be? Was that part of the contract? You know, I'll invite you to mine, but I want to come back to yours next week. You know, yeah, thank you, Wendy. Is that a real invitation? I don't get many. You know, no, seriously, if it's about I'm doing it, prid quo pro, I want it back, is that Christian hospitality? It's a bit like putting something in one of the charity buckets and before you move on, turn around saying, what have you got for me then? Yeah, that little boy who came up and said, it was a little girl, forgive me if I can't remember this morning, I was mad this morning when it came to the fudge time, and they raised, was it £13.74p? That was a little girl, little girl, from the school. And I bet you she doesn't want anything back for it, because her heart just wants to help other people. And that's the hospitality that Christ wants us to offer, where we don't want anything back. In fact, we'll give more. Have a second helping. You're coming now, aren't you, Mark? I said that. Yeah. Have a second helping. You know, have a second helping. There's plenty. And if I run out, I'll run down the shop like my auntie used to do and get some more. But, you know, it's, it's about really giving everything you've got. Abraham offered hospitality with no strings attached. That's Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality. My son, um, normally when I tell little stories about my son, it's normally about how bad he's been. You know, how bad he was in the past, or the mischief he got up to. But I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not bragging about him, I'm telling you because this came to and popped into my head as something that happened that fits here very well. Some years back, he must have been about 18, he was doing Operation Gideon, and they were touring the country with a YFC national band and a dance group they had, which name I can't remember now what they were called. What was it, sorry, Don? Activate, that's right. And we hadn't seen him for some weeks. And he came on the phone. It was Easter. It was about the Tuesday or Wednesday before Easter Friday. And he said, Dad, he said, um, I'm coming home for Easter. I went, all right then, yeah. yeah. I said, great. I said, it's lovely. We're really looking for to see you. He said, I'm bringing somebody with me. Is that okay? 
So he said, yeah, yeah, no problem at all. On the Thursday, he turned up the door, and there was this wonderful little girl, about 17, 18, called Erin. And she had red hair, never forget her. And she was the most delightful, sweetest girl you'd ever meet. I wish he'd have married her. <laughs> In fact, actually, uh, uh, she was so delightful. I said, is this your girlfriend? No, Dad, she's a friend. I went, oh, right. I don't know who he's married to now. She's so delightful, the best daughter-in-law you could ever have. But nevertheless... <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. If he's, he might be listening, you never know with him. But the thing is, he turned up with this young girl. Anyway, I was then going out somewhere. And I did go out, and I came back about an hour later. I walked into the house, went into the living room, and there sat two of my daughters, all in their, you know, their pyjamas and their onesies that they had on and everything, with some popcorn and stuff. And in that chair was Erin, in her onesie with her popcorn. She just looked as though that's where she should be. And I said to Tom, I said, how did she come to be back here? He said, well, activate, we're going on their Easter break, which is the dance troupe she was part of. The band were going. He said, and it turned out, we stood there after everyone was gone. I said, where are you going? She said, I'm not going anywhere. She came from Canada. So I'm not going anywhere. So I'm now going to go back to probably my host family, but there's nobody there. So, you know, I'm just going to uh, chill out over the Easter. And he said, well, do you want to come to mine? And she said, yeah, I'd love to. And she did. And I can tell you that as an Easter, I'll always remember. Because the great thing about hospitality is how blessed you can be through it. And that weekend, she blessed our family, didn't she? Blessed our family big time. She's back in Canada. She's married with children now. Yeah, Tom missed his chance, you know. <laughs> but uh, the fact of the matter is, it was wonderful. And I was so proud of him. He saw this person there who was going to be on her own. And he rang up and said, can I bring her home? I'm so glad he did, because we'd have never had that great blessing of an experience. And I'm so proud of him by that. Other times he doesn't care whether he speaks to anybody or not, but there we go. And I share that with you because it's important, again, that we don't leave people on their own. That we show them the hospitality. So finally, and I said that a little while ago, but this time it is finally. You know, hospitality can be very disruptive, can't it? Very disruptive. A bit like me trying to finish my book. And a bit like me trying to watch a little bit, wanting to watch a bit of telly. It can be disruptive. You know, then when they leave, if they stay for uh, overnight, you've got to change all the sheets, haven't you? I keep saying, Teresa, let the next one stay in them. That'll be all right. You know, they're fine. They'll never know, will they? No, I don't really. You know, I don't want you to think I'm like that. But, you know, people come and, and there's all that to do. And then there's maybe extra food. And then you sit around thinking, what if they don't like this? Or what if they don't like that? I'm saying, Teresa, oh, well, if they don't like it, they know it's done the fish shop, you know. But no, there's all these things that can be quite disruptive. Quite disruptive. But should that matter? Should that matter? That we disrupt our lives to show hospitality and love to somebody and invite them in when they need to be invited in. I've got a wonderful uh, little story. I just, I'm not going to share the story with you, but I want to encourage you to have a look at it. And um, here it is. It really relates to Abraham in about when he had strangers come to him and we find out later on who these strangers are. 
and uh, you know they're not just ordinary people so to speak and um, but there's a lovely little story it reminded me of and I just wanted to bring it to your attention Papa Panov's special Christmas have you come across it anybody at all it's an old French folktale but it was actually picked up by Tolstoy and he included it in one of his book of short stories and it's about this cobbler who gets a promise that God is going to visit him on Christmas Day but it appears that it doesn't happen I'll leave the rest to you to read. I'm going to lay that there. If anybody wants a copy, happy to run them off a copy. But even if you make a note of Papa Panov and search it online, you'll find the story. Can I just encourage you? It's a lovely Christmas story, actually. But encourage you to um, just consider maybe having a reading of it. It'll touch you very deeply, I'm sure. Abraham set a great example to us. One that I hope will inspire all of us to follow, or at least to think about, if we feel that at the moment we can't uh, do, make a change just yet. But the last thing I want you to remember is this. Abraham basically treats these strangers as messengers of God, which we know they are. But it isn't that he knows they are, he treats them that way. Messages of God. A friend of mine once told me about a man who he met in the city and he invited him back to his house for dinner, for tea. He'd never met this guy before. He was a Christian, and he'd only just moved to Norwich, but he thought, well, let's invite him back, and he did. And the man came back to the house, and they had dinner together, and they were sitting talking, him and his wife and this man, and suddenly this man said, I have a message for you. God has told me, you need to leave this place. You need to give this up. And he has something else in mind for you, but a long way from here. Well, these people had children, grandchildren, and never ever thought about leaving where they were. But they couldn't stop thinking about this message. And later on, I won't go through the whole story, but a year later they were on the mission field in southern India. And remained there until their latter days. And they said to me, this guy said that would never happen if that man hadn't have come in and given me that message. A perfect stranger telling me something that I never expected to hear that was powerful and delivered with such humility but such a surety I had to pay attention to it you never know what this stranger what this person you show hospitality to invite into your home perhaps have a coffee with is going to share with you it could be life changing do you want to miss that? do you want to miss it? I don't I really don't Finally, it's about praying that God will give us the gift of vision so that we see people through the eyes of Jesus. And we see the stranger, we see the lonely person, we see the person standing on their own, that we see them the way Jesus sees them. And from that we follow this example, this wonderful example that Abraham set out for us. And at the same time as blessing them through our hospitality, I believe God will bless us, abundantly bless us. I don't know how, you have to do it to see, but I do believe it's a blessing. And if you like Abraham, open your heart and show a home to them, a hospitality to them, I believe God will use them to bless you, to bless this church, to bless our fellowship. The more we show hospitality to strangers, the more we invite people in with no conditions, no payback, 
just a loving heart and a touch of kindness. It's all it takes. Amen.